This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and I'm joined by three of the finest gentlemen at Energy Sport to dissect the weekend that we've just had in football. First up, he's only here when his team wins. Graham Sinclair, how are you doing today, mate? How do you clarify? You always say like the three finest, three of the finest men at Energy Sport. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you justify that when you bring Taylor on? Well, I, I say three of the finest. I didn't say in what order. So Taylor, yeah. Taylor, the finest is a very general. But even if Taylor's on, you still say. Even if Taylor's on, you still say he's the finest. But is Taylor fine? I just don't want him to feel bad. I don't want him to go on a wee huff, he's especially like when he's pot. come on because it's it's as the deadlines prop up, it's going to be increasingly difficult to actually get people on this podcast. So I'm just appreciative of people that when I've got them. So that's why I'm happy to have anyone with me for the next hour or so, including Understa- yourself. Understandable. How are you though, anyway? Yeah, we're doing all right. Not been up long to be honest with you. I had a, had a late night, and out trick or treating. Out trick or treating, exactly. Dressed up as a specky idiot. Oh. Uh, <laughs> went down a treat. I went down a treat rather than a treat. I'm glad. I'm very glad. Dressed up as a specky idiot has helped you on your Halloween ventures. Uh, also uh, joining us today is Halloween weekend probably didn't get off to the best of starts but had a lovely night out in Aberdeen and was back tucked in his bed by 12 o'clock Jamie McIntosh how are you doing mate? Yes very good yes it was a, a lovely weekend up uh, in the granite city um, football wasn't so good but uh, yeah yeah, good trip we we'll do it again do it again. It's not like Taylor was saying as one of the worst away days in Scottish he's or never the worst been. away he's never, he's never been <laughs> It's like me saying, like, oh, I would hate to go to Australia when I've never been. Like, just, I don't know what it's like. Aberdeen, Australia, both begin with an A, and you go. There's the the common factor. There's exactly how you want to associate them, just they've got the same letter as they're starting, so must be the exact same place. Uh, Finally, rounding out today's panel, uh, a debutant for, wait, no, it's not a debutant for the football roundup. He was here when Taylor was on as a host (laughs) last week. See, this, this is just, Taylor's just getting a slander in every single opportunity. Logan back had to endure Taylor's as a host for an hour last week, so we wanted to get him back on and make sure that he didn't have to go through the same thing again this week. So, Logan, how are you getting on, mate? I'm doing, doing well, mate. Uh, the good news yesterday is started the week off great, so I'm doing all right. The good news indeed that uh, a certain manager has been sacked by a certain club. We'll be sure to get onto that a little bit later, but it does actually preface this week's big question. Uh, I wanted to kind of stick with that theme of managerial departures. There's been a couple of big ones over the weekend in both Scotland and England. So I wanted to know from the chaps on today's panel, who a, man, a manager from their club or their country, whichever they so choose, uh, one that they were, were was very happy to see the back of, one that they couldn't have waited any longer to see the back of, and one they wished they could keep a hold of for a little bit longer. A manager departure that made them happy, and one that made them a bit sad. So, Graham, where are you going to well, go for this? Well, Jack, the dog barks and the caravan goes on, and Pedro Cushinha was <laughs> thankfully sacked. Even though he was only there less than a year, he was sacked too late. Quite a similar to Peter Grant situation. A guy that had no understanding at all of the club Rangers football club. Mm. Had no idea how to run a football team. He once brought on like three midfielders for three defenders. Like Motherwell in a game and it was class. Uh, and just an all-round pretty terrible football manager. On the opposite side, I was quite sad and a bit disappointed when Scotland sacked Gordon Strachan, to be mm. honest with you. Part, like, I thought... When he sacked him, he was probably on his best run as our manager. He had the support of the players, and we sacked him for Alex McLeish, who I thought came off crossing something that genuinely looked ill when he was Matt Scotland manager. And I felt justified until we got Stephen Clark, and even kind of a little bit since we've had Stephen Clark, mm. that Gordon Strachan should never have been sacked despite some of the silly things he says. Yeah, I mean, that stuff about players in Scotland just being genetically too small to actually play for Scotland, that was a bit of a. Bit of a strange one. Uh, 
I'll I'll jump in with mine here actually because one of the managers that I was actually very very happy to see the back of was Alex McLeish in his second spell. I mean, you talked about him looking ill. I feel like him playing Graham Shinney at left back against Kazakhstan to disastrous effect proved that he might have been slightly mentally ill and actually taking the job. Uh, and I couldn't have been happier to see him uh, receive his marching orders. I suppose, or maybe a different sort of kettle of fish when you're an international manager. Marching orders might not be the right terminology but of course alongside him I was more than happy to see a certain Mr David Hopkin get booted from Somerset Park earlier this season how that man actually ended up at the club is beyond me and how he lasted as long as he did is also beyond me and things haven't been entirely rosy under under Jim Duffy but we've won games which was an absolute rarity under Hopkin I think he might have won one in his entire spell in the, in the league anyway with League Cup aside so yeah delighted to have seen him gone and I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed to see Roberto Di Matteo getting sacked from Chelsea back in 2012. I mean, coming off the back of coming in on an interim basis and winning the Champions League in the same season and then getting sacked for a poor run of form in the league and getting knocked out of the Champions League group stages later that year. I felt it was a bit harsh to cut ties with Di Matteo at that point considering he's won what was Roman Abramovich's ultimate goal in buying Chelsea Football Club back in 2003 was getting their hands on a Champions League. Di Matteo delivered it and then he was rewarded with a P45 just a few months later. So it was a bit sad to see him go, but who knows. Will it be the same thing that happens to Thomas Tuchel this year? I highly doubt it, but you just never know. Uh, Jamie, how about yourself? Where are you landing on this one? Well, the two I'll give you two managers that I would like to have seen given more time at Hearts. Um, one of them was obviously George Burley which was just obviously a just completely mental sacking from uh, Mr. Romanov at the time. Uh, we were, oh, I can't remember now how many games unbeaten we were, but uh, started the season very well and, and Burley was given his marching orders. Um, the other one was Daniel Stendel, obviously the club. He was technically out of contract, um, so I suppose it, it wasn't really a sacking if you want to be um, pedantic about it all, but mm. he was a manager I would like to have seen stay at Tynecastle. Um, on the other hand, Craig Levine, when he was finally sacked after his second spell, was one I suppose that uh, the the whole heart support were very happy to to see finally happen. I think two years ago, yesterday, if my if my time hop was correct in that, I think I remember I was flicking through and I saw the screenshot of the tweet that I must have sent into our group chat at the time. So very apt that this time of year was particularly scary for Mr. Craig Levine. Uh, Logan, how about yourself? And I, and I feel like I have to say you can't just pick the easy answer and go with uh, go with Peter Grant getting sat yesterday. That's the, the 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 fairly the fairly obvious one. So someone else other than Big Pete. Um, probably Alan Johnston. Um, a few years ago, before Stevie Crawford came in as manager. Um, in his first season, he got he won us League One. Uh, got us straight back up into the championship, which was I thought he was going to be a really good manager going into the championship. You know, I think we were, or we should have, we were quite. I think we finished fifth in the first season, and then we got playoffs in the second season. But then the third season, he was just, it was just awful, really, really bad. Um, I don't think we won a game until about October. Right? October had to take a win in October this this season, <laughs> but um, he got sacked in around the January period, and it it was just uh deserved really. And then the player, the manager that uh, I think should have should have had a better chance at Dunfermline would have, would have been Stevie Crawford. Mm. Um, he got us to playoffs last season. Um, we were above Hearts at one stage last season and just fell apart. I think it was after the the Christmas period. Um, but I think he was a bit doomed after getting beat five one off your rivals, Rafe Rovers. So um, and then losing to them in the playoffs as well. But I think that looking back, a lot of fans wanted him sacked, but now. As we've got, or as we had Grant, I would have liked to see him in my, the managerial spot this season. Lovely stuff. I I feel like it was a bit hard done by, especially considering how oddly that appointment of Peter Grant was taken uh, by not just Pars fans but Scottish football fans in general. It was just an odd one. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit though. Uh, we're going to start up in the Granite City, as Jamie was mentioning, with Aberdeen two at Hearts one. Hearts taking the lead via a John Sutter penalty uh, just before half time. But then Marley Watkins and Lewis Ferguson saw out. Uh, their second went in three for the Dons. It's been a pretty good upturn of form for Aberdeen over the last few weeks and hearts have just kind of been stuttering up until this point. And uh, 
their misery was compiled with their first league defeat of the season. Jamie, you were at the match, of course. I mean, what was your take on it from the Hearts' perspective? Was it as was it a deserved victory for Aberdeen, or give it just give us your general thoughts anyway? Yeah, it was a deserved win for Aberdeen. It was uh, Hearts' poorest performance of the season by a long way. The first half in general was was just a terrible game of football, to be honest. Um, I think there was one real chance, uh, one shot on goal. Sorry, one shot on goal prior to to the goal in the uh, in first half stoppage time. Craig Gordon made a good save, um, and yeah, it just looked like a nil nil really all over. And then uh, Josh Janelli wins the penalty. John Suter sticks it away, and you're thinking at half time, well, we're one the lot. The game's been absolutely rubbish. If we can up it a little bit, you know, we'll come away with three points. There was no way I was thinking there's going to be three goals in this game because. There hadn't been any chances, and Aberdeen moves Scott Brown into midfield at half time. Um, they get the extra man in the middle of the park, and they absolutely bossed it. Hearts didn't decide to counter um, Stephen Glass's change and match them up, which I think we should have done, um, because Aberdeen were getting a lot of joy with that extra man in the middle of the park, and. You know, they scored two very good goals, actually, to be fair to them. Uh, Watkins, I was impressed with Watkins, actually. Um, Some of his off-the-ball play, he was a real nuisance and took his goal very well. And the second one is a foul, but it's it's very clever. Um, Scott Brown, Ryan Hedges isn't actually looking. It's it's very, very well planned. I I watched that a couple of times on Sports Scene last night. Uh, Rewound it again and again. And Scott Brown is the one that's watching Benny Beningamy. Ryan Hedges has his back to him. And Scott Brown just pushes Ryan Hedges straight into the, the path of Beningamy, who's trying to mark Lewis Ferguson. Blocks him off and Ferguson uh, gets his, his front post run and uh, sticks the sticks the ball in the back of the net. And that turned out to be the winning goal. Um, so very, very, very clever play from Aberdeen, but it's a foul. <laughs> and it's not the first thing, it's not the first thing they've done it this season. They've done it at I think it was St. Mirren earlier in the mm. season. So it's poor refereeing because look, when that happens, when a team's done that, you should be on the, the lookout for that really. Um I think Aberdeen had five corners or something. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be on the lookout for that sort of stuff, surely. If if that's been done before, you've you've got to be eagle eyed and the referee apparently didn't have a very good view of it, according to the radio. But that's what we've got linesmen and you know, mm-hmm. four officials and that for is, is so that there's there's more than just one pair of eyes. So it's disappointing that nobody's seen that, but it's uh, it's very well worked from Aberdeen. And I suppose in the wake of it, it's been a fairly reactionary uh, Hearts fan base. I suppose as, I mean you were saying on the day there were a lot of people kind of calling for Nielsen out at the first defeat of the season. And I mean, I know it's not exactly been the most glamorous of runs since that uh, 1-1 Rangers victory. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, surely that's a, it's a, it's taking it a bit too far to be calling for Nielsen's head after what's realistically your first defeat of the season. I think Aaron said that a few weeks ago, did he not, that Robbie Nielsen was the sort of player, it was maybe when Taylor was hosting actually, that uh, Robbie Nielsen is, is somebody that a lot of Hearts fans just are never going to forgive for a few different results. So uh, I'm not surprised by it. And I, probably if uh, Robbie, I don't think he does go on social media. I think he said that before actually. But if he did, he would probably wouldn't be surprised by the reaction mm-hmm. either. Um, yeah, the, the Hearts fans were, were pretty angry. They were terrible. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not defending them at all. But, you know, Hearts have... We're still sitting third in the league. I know we're not your average newly promoted team, but you know you look at kind of who we're going up against. You know we're six ahead of Aberdeen. We're six ahead of Hibs. Okay, Hibs have got a game in hand, but you know we're six off the top now. But you know we were never, never should have been challenging for for top spot. Mm. You know we should never have had our our uh, our uh, sights set that high. Third place was always going to be classed as a very good season for Hearts. So that's where they're sitting just now, albeit only on goal difference. So, uh, yeah, let, let's not get carried away. But, yes, Hearts were, were very poor on Saturday. They've now got a very big game at Tynecastle next week. Hearts versus Dundee United, third versus fourth prior to the international break. So if they can get three points in that, then that would be a perfect way to bounce back. Oh, absolutely. And I suppose one thing we do want to mention as well, that was a Hearts team without your talisman, Liam Boyce. Of course, he was injured in the last fixture and was going to miss this one with Armin Nandwili leading the line instead. And... Uh, by all reports, he's just never going to be a suitable replacement for Boyce. And I suppose if Hearts do want to continue to be at this end of the table, is it going to be kind of priority number one to be able to get in a better striker to be able to deputise or even compete with Boyce in January? Um, yeah, look, Robbie Nielsen said on Friday at the press conference that he wanted another attacker. And in January, he didn't specify that he wanted a striker, but he specified that he wanted another attacker in. 
And um, yeah, look, I think you, we were speaking just off air there about the Rangers attacking options. That's the difference. You know, that's that's why Hearts aren't going to be challenging for the top spot is because Rangers have got Morelos, Ruth, Sakala as uh, as strikers. That's unfortunately, that's the, the difference. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Hearts do in January. They've uh, made some very good signings in the summer window and the, the squad's much better than it was, you know, last season. Um, but yeah, you know, of course you, you need... You need depth. I do think Hearts have got depth compared mm-hmm. to Hibs, for example. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they go for somebody else in January. Nandalee's out of contract in the summer. I don't think he will be offered a new one. Um, so yeah, they, long term, they will be looking for another striker for sure. Graham, turning it on to Aberdeen just now, Jamie's already mentioned that there's been some quite clever play from Aberdeen in this game and we've seen it at other points during the season as well. And that's seven points from their possible nine in their last three games, and that's coming against Rangers, Hibs and Hearts. Uh, considering how much pressure Stephen Glass has been under and all the different puns about Glass cracking and everything like that, uh, is he potentially starting to turn some doubters into believers at this point, or is there still a long way to go to build those bridges back up to what they were? Dave Cormack should be the one getting all the credit. He's on the sports scene, pissed up and started having a rant. So all the credit I'm having, you've got Dave Cormack. But Stephen Glass, uh, absolutely, he'll get he'll be turning to people and believers. I think we had a discussion at extra time, and there wasn't really any of us that thought Stephen Glass deserved to be sat at this point. It was mm. just kind of a reaction to take from Aberdeen fans after a poor run for them, and. Yeah, they had a really tough week and come away with seven points for it, which I don't think any of Aberdeen fans saw in their wildest dreams. So I think huge credit to Stephen Glass for that. It's been a real excellent turnaround. And uh, Logan, I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, it kind of seems to have been the more kind of harshly criticised players in Aberdeen's setup that I really kind of picked up the slack recently. I mean, you talk about Scott Brown. He's there were a lot of questions over him when he first uh, joined the club, and in the last week, he scored against Rangers and put in a massive shift against Hearts on Saturday. You've got the likes of Lewis Ferguson getting himself back in with a, with a goal on Saturday as well. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him just coming across as lazy and uninterested. So how much of a boost is it going to be for fans to see the underperformers starting to kind of get back to the level that the fans are expecting them to be at? Yeah, it's going to be massive. I think that obviously Lewis Ferguson is one of Aberdeen's key players. Um, same with like Ross McCrory, except players like that. Um, I think that Ramirez has started to score a few goals over the last few weeks as well. Um, he's got a decent record for himself. Uh, I think he's got something like six goals already this season, which is all right for uh, an Aberdeen striker. He probably will want more than that. But yeah, it's key for their players to start playing for the manager and to start picking up results against teams like Hearts. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on now to... A bit of a stutter for Ange Postecoglou's Celtic, of course. They dazzled at Easter Road in midweek, but they were brought back down to earth against a resolute Livingston side on Saturday afternoon in what turned out to be a nil-nil draw. Now, Graham, it'd be quite easy to blame Celtic for dropping points in what some would have potentially argued would be an easy home tie, but all the praise for this one has to go to Livingston for the defensive resilience throughout the match, first and foremost. They certainly defended sometimes with a lot of men behind the ball. Uh, but that's really the only way that Livingston are going to pick up a result at Celtic Park, you think. Uh, David Martindale even said as much after the game, it's like a £1 million wage budget versus a £55 million wage budget. Mm. don't think £55 million is a random number from David Martindale, say that based on his, alleg- his allegiances <laughs> elsewhere. But yeah, there was a terrific defensive effort from them, and they it wasn't like a barrage from Celtic in the game on Saturday. It wasn't a siege. Celtic only had two shots on target on Saturday. Mm. And as you can tell when you watch sports scene, a lot of times with Celtic this season, it's basically been, it's either been goals or it's been massive chances that they've missed at the show. But in Saturday, they were showing like crosses that Max Strike was picking up as they were coming out of the box. Like routine catches. Which I think kind of highlighted how little Celtic created in this game and how much that. And that's a lot of that's due to how Lovey defended. Mm. They were so resolute for 91 minutes until Ayobai smacked, <laughs> pinched, pinched Kyogo in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, let's let talk about that because, I mean, it was like, just before it, there seemed to be a bit of a claim for a, for a Livingston penalty. I mean, if we're talking about Obalai smacking somebody in the back of the head, Joe Hart kind of seemed to have come out and punched somebody in the face when going, going, for, a, going for a ball and nothing was given. But then, obviously... Obelai gets sent off, which is, which is going to be a bit damaging for Livingston in the long term. But 
Uh, Georgios Giacomakis, I have no idea whether I've said it right because I've heard his name pronounced that many different ways since he actually started playing games for Celtic, steps up and fires a bit of a pathetic penalty towards goal and Strayek makes a, makes the save to keep the scores level. So, Graham, you kind of said that you thought that both instances were, were penalties, but as there always is with penalty decisions, there's been questions over it and there's been disagreements, so... I'd imagine that oh, you've seen them both f- back now. So. It's been a fun week in refereeing, hasn't it? What a f- wasn't it on any show last week? What a fun week in refereeing we've had. <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, I thought both were penalties. I thought the one that Hart and on Obalai was a stone wall penalty. Obalai gets there first, Hart doesn't get the ball and he punches him in the face, essentially. And it was a clear penalty. I also did think that Obalai was daft, he shouldn't hit. Kyogo in the back of the head. At the same time, Kyogo should be quite embarrassed by the way he reacted. Mm. There was no reason for him to go down like that. He goes what, down. What was it? Cam called hit. him. What was it? Cam called him a little uh, bitch. Uh, I think <laughs> a little bitch. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's like you can't can't hit somebody in the back of the head, <laughs> even though Kyogo goes backwards. Just, <laughs> he did. He I fell mean, backwards. The, the the physics of that like don't really work. He should be falling forward to so get smacked in the back of the head, but he just kind of like crumbles down. And it's pretty pathetic from Kyogo, but it was a penalty. Mm. And wow, what a terrible penalty it was. There was <laughs> there was rumours that Jack Matthews was hitting the ball so hard that keepers <laughs> it was a keeper's Lewis, finger you know saves. At Lennox, <laughs> yeah, even keeper's finger saves gloves weren't weren't capable of <laughs> preventing <laughs> it. And then he hits a P roller and it doesn't even get near the corner. It was amazing. Oh, it was quite good anyway. Uh where are we going with this story? Uh, Jamie, I kind of want to come to you about this because, I mean, extra time on Thursday after watching, uh, after seeing the Hibs result, you kind of came on, your big shout was that Celtic were going to win the cinch and I'm not going to berate that completely, but it kind of seemed as though Celtic did everything in their power to just completely undermine that shout on on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I don't know, it's just, you, you see you see all these uh, kind of entertaining uh, players that they've got and I know Callum and I both agreed with you, we thought, you know what, they could they definitely could, but I mean, it's the games like these that are really going to kind of separate uh, Celtic from where they kind of want to be, and of course that is at the top of the tree in the Premiership just now. Yeah, of course. Look, I mean, you know, obviously we say, uh, you know, they, they could win the league. Of course they could, you know. It's a two-horse race in this country. If Rangers were to falter, then Celtic are the obvious choice to, to take advantage of that. So, of course they had a chance, but... Uh, Stuck my neck out on the line, and it looks like we can add the uh, both the Celtic and Rangers squads to the the list of growing growing list of people that listen to the Energy Sport podcast because Rangers obviously go and um, give out a, a, an absolute hammering at Fir Park, and Celtic drop points at home to to Livingston. So uh, yeah, it clearly shows that they've both listened to the podcast. The pressure's got to Ange and his boys, <laughs> and uh, Stephen Gerrard's got. You know, Macintosh says Celtic will win the league across the Fir Park dressing room. Um, so yeah, that's clearly fired up the the Rangers players. Is that is that next to the Amy Canavan plaque of Celtic can put out any team and beat Rangers, or is that one just? Uh... I, I, do you know what? Actually, yeah, yeah, I bet it is. You know, I, I think it's it quite. I think it's quite interesting. You look at it uh, since they've come back, especially I'll, I'll say as a timestamp. I'd say since we came back from the national last international break, mm-hmm. Celtic the underlying stats which have favoured Celtic the entire season. They might still be favouring Celtic, but it is kind of the gap's closing. Celtic are creating less chance or sees are having a smaller XG and they're relying more on crosses than they have been at the start of the season, whereas Rangers have slowly been creeping up and they absolutely battered hearts like three weeks ago in a 1-1 draw. And then yesterday, of course, scored in six goals. So Rangers, it's still not been good, great from Rangers, particularly last Wednesday, but they have been creating more chances as Celtic have kind of been creating less, which is I think is quite interesting. And as you said, Graham, just before we came on, Rangers have now scored just the one less goal than Ange Postecoglou's mm-hmm. free-flowing, high-scoring Celtic. And this is a Celtic that was well, put six past Dundee and six past St Mirren and put three past mm. Hibs at Easter Road. And yesterday was, when I was yesterday was Rangers third, only their third game of the season when they won by more than one goal. So was that right enough? Jesus. Yeah, and um, that was the first game of the season. I think the third game of the season. So we'll, we'll not include the cup competition. <laughs> <laughs> and there is that out, outlying, uh, outlying source of uh, source of goals in the cup competitions if they could only play Dunfermline every week. 
Uh, we'll move on to Rangers, actually, considering we're speaking about them that uh, amount. Uh, we'll come to the winners in a minute, but, Logan, we'll start with the losers in this one. Motherwell, uh, on the end of a 6-1 scalping at home after producing uh, a Halloween banner that referenced uh, the undead for wh- whoever knows why they did that. Uh, and then they were quite quickly quieting down despite taking the lead through Bevis Mugabe in uh, 13 minutes. But this is a Motherwell who, up until their trip to Tynecastle, were looking really, really impressive in the Premiership. Since that uh, 2-1 win over Ross County, they have not won a game. And that was back on the 25th of September. So, I mean, what exactly has gone wrong for Motherwell if you can pinpoint anything? Or is it just a case of a dip in form and we'll see them come good again? I'm not quite sure. I mean... Um... As you said, they started the season well. Um, Tony Watt was scoring scored a few, a few crucial goals for them. But um, I mean, they've not they've they've made a few like decent signings in the summer. You know, bringing in Shields from Queen of South was a bit. I'm not sure if I've seen him a few times last season, but don't think he's the man that's going to score like I don't know 15, 20 goals from Motherwell a season. Um, I mean, no Donald red card. Yes, him getting sent off yesterday. Um, I think his form has dipped quite a lot, um, considering he's still in the Scotland squad. But it's hard to pinpoint something about Motherwell. You know, I think Graham Alexander came out yesterday and said that um, that it's not good enough and that he was going to need to do something about it. But six one off Rangers. I don't think anyone expected that result yesterday. No, I don't think anyone did. Graham, did you expect it as a Rangers fan yourself? I mean, could you have seen six one coming at all? No, absolutely not. I was quite fear going into the game. I know, but I don't think I'd really pay attention to how bad Motherwell's form was, and I think they can't really they can't really keep clean sheets. They've kept two all season, and they've considered more than one in the last five games now. But I was still nervous. It's, it's, even though we've like, not lost to Motherwell in the league since December two thousand and two, and yet it always feels like kind of a, like a tough place to go. Mm. And so I was nervous, obviously, but they went ahead after an absolute daft mistake from a mixture of Tav and Goldson. And I was pretty worried, but having been watching the game, I always felt Rangers would get back in it. I thought they played excellent yesterday. And I suppose there's one man that's going to steal the headlines more than most, and that man is Fashion Sakala Jr. I'll not ask for a rendition of the song, Graham, because he gave me one when you first joined the call. <laughs> but... Uh, you made the point yesterday just to, just to uh, rub it in the nose of Callum Muldoon. Uh, that is just one league goal behind a uh, £30 million plus pound man, uh, Kyogo Furuhashi, that is for Sakala now. And it's not been the easiest start to life in Scotland for the Zambian, but he's kind of coming good at the perfect time, considering that Morelos isn't exactly firing to the same level that we've seen him do recently. And Stephen Gerrard said, yeah, yeah, and Stephen Gerrard said that Sakala, he's noticed a difference in him in the last 10 days. Sometimes even, we're still kind of something it doesn't feel like it. We're still in like a COVID phase, and sometimes he's not he's not coming over with family, so it's going to be harder to settle in, especially in Scotland. He's never been to Scotland, I'm, I'm assuming. So that gave me tough. So it's taken a while to settle in, settle in. But he finally seems to like. Mm. I think it's one down as Gerard said, and yesterday was kind of like the the, the proof is in the pudding, and he offered so much to Rangers yesterday. He was direct. Like, we've missed, in the last few weeks without Kent. We've missed a direct player, a pacey player, and a goal threat. And Sakala offered that yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was exactly what they needed. Uh, Rangers Rangers, need, Rangers have had a problem recently, but they need to play two goal scorers, you think, in every game, and that's been Rufin Morelos. But Rufin Morelos have no partnership. There is no kind of chemistry there. The two of them don't link up well. I think they're... And I think in terms of Rangers' part, Morelos is like kind of like most played passes between players. Ruf's like sixth or seventh, which you wouldn't expect from the I guy that plays right yeah. next to him. Whereas yesterday with Sakala, they played different styles of play. Morelos was holding the ball up and he was playing it wide and Sakala was there. Or he was trying to play him through behind and Sakala was making runs. And there was definitely some sort of partnership that felt forming there between him and Sakala. And it was it made such a big difference. I think that was probably the primary reason why we, were, we looked like such a goal threat as opposed to the last few weeks. And is that something you look to build on now? Would you rather kind of have Sakala in alongside one of Morelos or Kemar Roof, or how would you kind of shape up for the next kind of little stretch if you were wanting to build a build a straight partnership going forward? It's, it's funny I was saying this before that it's like I went from thinking like last week we've got like so few attacking options everyone's all formed and now thinking oh look at all the combinations we can do especially we could, I'd like to see when Ryan Kent comes back I'd really like to see Morelos Kent and Sakala because that's two goal threats and 
I think it would terrify defenders with how quick Kent and Sakala are. But we've also got Joe Rebo, who has been playing in the midfield for most of the season, but probably suits better playing as a forward off the right off the right wing for Rangers. And he was so good. Yeah, it was. I thought it was great yesterday. His touch is absolutely divine. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of he can get a bit lost in midfield and lose track of runners, which I think is attributed to why we've been so a bit poor defensively. But all of a sudden, yeah, I think looking at it, there's now tons of options and I think Sakala has pushed himself to the front of that queue because of what he offers for us. Well, very interesting to see how Rangers do set up for the next little while. Uh, of course, Jamie, there's one game that didn't get played at all in the Scottish Premiership yesterday and that's Ross County versus Hibernian. Uh, a lot of Hibs fans make the trip up to Dingwall for that one and got up there, get into the pubs and then found out that the game was off due to a number of positive COVID tests within the Hibs camps and that game is now set to be replayed this coming Wednesday night uh, with a number of players unavailable. I think it's Paul Hanlon and Alex Gogic as the rumours. I'm not sure how confirmed they are, but that's that's what was being said. Uh, just a bit of a mess overall from kind of everyone involved, realistically. Yeah, it's not a great look, actually, to be honest. And it's come out today. I think there's the Daily Record and the Sun as well. We're both reporting that there was a whistleblower uh, that was staying in the hotel that was saying that Hibs weren't following the, the COVID regulations. They weren't wearing masks, things like that. So that's not great. They could find themselves in quite a bit of hot water if that turns out to be true. Um, said whistleblower has spoken to the SPFL, apparently, or the SFA, or you know, contacted them and, and uh, given their side of the story he's effectively grassed them up actually which is yeah. quite funny but um, Nobby Nobby Wilson I believe his name was uh, that's, <laughs> that's what reports were I didn't hear that one actually that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah we'll, we'll see what comes of that and um, obviously now yeah they're going to be playing on Wednesday night up there against the Ross County team that Looked full of energy, certainly, against mm. Dundee, against the Hibs team that are probably going to be relying on a few youth players as well. So I would fancy County for that one, to be honest. But who knows? You've been kind of in the, co- the county camp for a little bit, uh, and you were saying that, that the result against... Big Malky been... McKay fan, Jimmy is. <laughs> <laughs> I know no reason nah, other than nah, that. that. That's Cam, mate. That's not me. Don't, don't drag <laughs> Aye, To be fair, you were saying that that result against Dundee had been coming, just based on like goal scoring and nothing else. So... Who knows? Who knows? We could potentially see a good result for the Staggies on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll dip in to the championship where we can only really go to one place and to one person. Logan, it's been a really long season, despite what many were calling the best ever Betfred group. Uh, what, what is it now? The Premier Sports Cup campaign, uh, group stage campaign of all time with Dunfermline playing the best football anyone's ever seen. Peter Grant turned out not to be a very good manager at championship level. Uh, without any wins in 12 games and the worst, def- the second worst defensive record in the league, the Pars board thought enough's enough and Grant has finally gone. Just when that tweet came out that there was a club statement from Pars, what was your immediate reaction? I thought they were going to blame the fans again. <laughs> not going to lie. But then I, I read it and I was delighted, to be honest. Um, I think the fans had had enough about a month and a half ago, to be honest. Um it's just some of the results are not good enough. Even at the start of the season, you know, Freno at home to Arbroath and Partick Thistle. Mm. Um, and then we've, I mean, we've drew, drawn, I think it's about six games in our last yeah. eight or nine. Um, it's, just, it's just, it's very poor. Um, and then the, it's like the post-match interviews, like, you could just see that it was time up. Um, it, the same excuses every week. Um, you know the the, play, the players give their all in training. Why isn't that in the game? Um, some I, I was I was very confident at the start of the season. Um, even after he was appointed, you know some of the signings he made, I thought we were going to finish at least in the playoffs with some people backing us for the title, which I thought was just way too far and clearly. <coughs> yep, definitely never did that out of spite for Kelly. No, never it was never me. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought we played well on Tuesday night against Ray for the first. 80 or 75 minutes I'd say and then we, we went 1-0 up sat back played one up played one up front with Kai Kennedy which we were playing hoofball to Kai Kennedy who is about 5 foot tall <laughs> um, and then obviously got punished for that when Brad Spencer scored that long range strike but 
yesterday just summed it up really going uh, not yesterday Saturday summed it up going two 0 up and you know it's bad when you go two 0 up and you think what are you gonna get beat three two mm. it was even worse than that it was four two so it's just, it was just a shambles I'm glad to see him go. And I mean, what was your reaction when he first came in? Because I mean, it wasn't just Pars fans, but a lot of just Scottish football fans just thought that's not exactly a great appointment. Of course, he'd literally just gone down that same season with Alloa. Yeah, I thought there was much better candidates than that at the time. Um, obviously, getting relegated the season before, and you're going for the, the same league title that next season. So it wasn't a great look. He didn't even apply for the role either. The board went to him. Um, after what, did, what did the board say to him, Logan? I don't really, I don't really understand it. I think it must be. It, his, it must have said something, but can you understand what it is? We played Aloha in the last game of the season, and they beat us one 0 uh, in Aloha. Uh, and they, I think they played like pretty decent football that day. You know, as Aloha did last season um, with the, the players that they had. Um, but I think they only got what like four wins last season, and it's just not good enough. And then when he came in. And he got asked the question, "Why did you get relegated?" Basically, and he blamed it to due to, due to COVID, not due to gym time. Gyms were closed, um, being a part-time club, things like that. So it was excuse after excuse after excuse for why he got relegated. So I don't know. It was it was there was much better candidates out there. I mean, talking of candidates now, we can talk about a couple of names that are being thrown around in terms of the next. Pars manager, you've got Brian Rice, John Robertson, Ian Cathro, David Hopkins, Kenny Miller, Stuart Petrie, probably a few others in, in amongst there. I mean, any standouts from that in terms of who you would want and who you would absolutely want to avoid by 10 football? Starting off with who I want to avoid, Brian Rice, 100%. You can't go from the manager that got relegated from the Championship last season to the manager that got relegated from the Premiership. Mm. It's just, it just wouldn't work. Um, I think that personally, for me, John Robertson would be the guy that we should go for. Um, obviously, he's got the role at Inverness mm-hmm. now after uh, Dodge took over there as the manager. But either Robertson, Petrie, um, I'd even take Yogi Hughes. Uh, done well with Ross, uh, kept Ross County up last season. I wouldn't take him on a long term basis, probably just till the end of the season and mm-hmm. then work off of that. But we'll need to wait and see. But some of the names being thrown around are just ridiculous. Well, I mean, Graham, you said it in the group chat yesterday. You really want Dunfermline to prioritise someone funny over someone that's going to deliver results. So, who who would you want to see in the dog at East End Park in the end? Well, I think Brian Knife seems like a class shout, to be honest with you. Just like, <laughs> he was quite funny. Not only was he bad for Aggies, he had some class moments last year. I think it was a cut to me in St. Mirren where he absolutely went off on one in his post-match or oh, the funniest thing would be is that they just realise, oh crap, it made a mistake, and they just like, let's just rehire Peter Grant again. That would be the ultimate kind of. You should do that, I think. Just rehire Peter Grant and say, well, we made a mistake, and he's got to be better this time. But just kind of, it's not, it's not my club, so if it's not my club, I want you to suffer and <laughs> for my for my for my enjoyment and in Don case, yeah, you know, hire somebody funny. To be fair, I'd rather Brian Rice than David Hopkins. So, I'd rather David. I'd rather David Hopkins at Pars because that would be so so funny. I, I, I'd probably never go back. I can't wait. If it was him or Ray McKinnon, I would never go back. Honestly. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that to get clipped in two weeks when it's David Hopkins or Ray McKinnon as his assistant. Oh man. but I mean, I suppose when you're talking about the film, I mean, what sort of a job are they going to have on their hands? Whoever it is, when they do get involved, I mean, considering we are. Pars fans thought they were going to be. I mean, at the start of the season, I mean, you were saying playoffs, absolutely. How big a task is it going to be for the new gaffer whenever they come in? I mean, we've got a capable squad of getting the playoffs. It's just that we've not performed. That the players have not performed at all this season. Um, I mean, drop the system he played at the start of the season. He played like a five-three-two, and he played Dom Thomas in the centre of the park. And and you know that Dom Thomas is obviously an out and out winger mm. who doesn't like to track back, and he played him in a, like a centre midfield role, which just uh, some fans liked him there. I, I personally didn't like him there, but they've got very good squads. Um, the strikers aren't firing at the moment. We'd try and get somebody in to try and motivate them to try and score goals because at the start of the season I thought the likes of Kevin O'Hara, Craig White, and Nikolai Todorov. You're thinking right, they'll get a few goals between them. Um, but that's just not happened this season at all. 
Um, you know, we've got the prospect of a training ground, an academy coming uh, through uh, with the new German owners. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that will be taking place if we get relegated to League One, to be honest. We'll have the funds for it because we need to get straight back up, back into the Championship. But I don't want to think about League One at the moment. There's still around six months left in the, the season. So I'm hoping that the new manager that comes in can save us from what is going on. Great, and they'll have the same sentiment as uh, Grant did a couple of weeks ago where he was saying you can still win the league. Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm um, I was shocked when he said that. He should have said we can still get the relegation playoffs. But... <laughs> We should we should be competing with teams like Inverness and Wraith at the moment, but yeah. we're competing with Morton and Queen of the South. So, and no one ever wants to be competing with Morton and Queen of the South in any way, shape, or form. And who do we have on Saturday? Morton. Brilliant! It's the glamour tie of the weekend. I'm sure. It's if we're if we're doing game of the week again and then uh, extra time this week, that's got to be the game of the week. None of the none of the Pakistan army or anything like that has got to be Dunfermline versus Morton. Otherwise. The show's cancelled. I'm, can, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that right now. Uh, anyway, that'll kind of do us for the chat of Scottish football. I what about air chat? Oh, piss off. I'm not speaking about air. <laughs> we lost again. We're a one-half team, mate. Right? If we're, if we're going to say anything about air, we are a one-half team. We are either good in the first half or good in the second half. We are not good in both. I'm not going to repeat what I called Dario's Anata because I will never be allowed to host a radio show or appear on one ever again. So that is just going to get brushed under the carpet. Seems like a good play that Daryl Donato. Should probably pick him up for the United, no? Oh yeah, because he was so good for us the first time when he actually... <laughs> I don't even think he was on the bench. He was just kind of somewhere. He was in Vicks and the Vine in press, but trying to get any, any 18-year-old girls a wee spice boy. Anyway. So in the last week, you, you lost to Kelly in the derby. We did. Kelly absolutely smashed Queen of the South yesterday. They did. And you lost to Wraith and Daryl Donato, who played for you. That's... That's a pretty horrible week for you. But at the same time, Jim Duffy's at the wheel, so what else can we say? Thanks for that, Graham. Really needed that. Just Grant's available now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did a great job, Alo. I'm a smarter man than that, I have to say, than actually want for Peter Grant. Got him four wins despite COVID in a part-time team. <laughs> team. I, mean, I mean, for what thought wins despite COVID, we just look at Dick Campbell with our growth. I mean, anyway... Uh, down to England where there was another big weekend of Barclays although it just doesn't hit the same as saying the big weekend in Cinch I said this an extra time last week Cinch has already eclipsed Barclays for just absolute scenes uh, Graham, we were, our teams were both in action of course it went better for my team than it did yours because despite not having a proper striker Chelsea still managed to win away to Newcastle 3-0 it's not exactly the most glamorous victory of all time winning 3-0 away to Newcastle but Overall. What do you mean? What do you mean you got no strike? I got Reese James. That's all we need. That that is fullbacks are just going to score all of Chelsea's goals this season, and I'm all here for it, especially because I've got Chelwell on my fantasy team. Uh, no, it's another big victory for Tuchel's Chelsea. It leaves them top of the table uh, once again, and throw that lead extends because Liverpool dropped points at home. To, were they at home to Brighton? We were at home to Brighton, yes. yes. And also Manchester City were also at home to Crystal Palace, and they, they lost two 0 They did indeed. Uh, so, yeah. I'll speak to you first about Liverpool, Graham, because it's another. there was another injury in this game. I'm not sure what the fallout of it has been, but Naby Keita went down around 20 minutes in and was replaced by Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and that. Uh, Fizio's table for midfielders just seems to be stacking up more by the day. I mean, yeah, who's that I mean, out just now? Keita, Keita, uh, Keita Thiago, Fabinho, Milner uh, yeah. and Harvey Elliott are all out. Bloody hell. Who? Who would all be ahead of Oxley Chamberlain in the pecking order? Yeah, absolutely. And you want to talk about fallout? The fallout from it is that Navigator going off cost Liverpool three points on Saturday because okay. well, Oxley Chamberlain set up our second goal and we were too not comfortable. Uh, the midfield was just bullied the entire game. Brighton dominated the midfield and having Jones, who wasn't great on Saturday, and Oxley Chamberlain, who isn't just isn't a good player anymore. It just we had no control whatsoever, and Brighton more than deserved their their draw, and mm. could have even taken all three points on another day. It was it was kind of silly that I'm a Liverpool fan complaining about our lack of options. We're one of the <laughs> one of the deepest teams in the world, one of the best teams in the world. But the reality, of the situation is right now that our midfield is completely sh- stretched and mm. below what it needs to be, and that's probably the reason why we did we didn't pick up a result on Saturday. No, but you've, you were saying this even back in the summer, though, Graham. That I mean, 
Liverpool just needed more depth in midfield. That was the thing that was always said. I mean, they've got great depth, sure, and they've got a lot of talent in their squad. But... It's such a tough one because they have the numbers, but then you break it down. Like Naby Keita's injury-prone, Oxley-Chamberlain's injury-prone, Thiago's injury-prone, Milner's 35, Fabinho and Henderson have both injury problems. So it's a tough situation of trying to buy a replacement for these players because they are all there. But even though they all get injured, they have the numbers... So you think, oh, I can't, we've got the numbers, let's not buy it. But we have the injury problems, mm. so we should. But any kind of situation, or what if we get lucky with injuries? Then we've hired seen the guy for 30, 40 million, and he's not playing. Yeah. So I don't blame them for not signing somebody. I think it's just a bit of bad luck, and Fabinho should be back fairly soon. But it's not good in the midfield situation, and it's what's costing Liverpool some valuable points. Very valuable considering the teams around them because Jamie West Ham continue to be absolutely massive, as Twitter says. That is a massive, massive win for them uh, against Aston Villa coming in as four one winners. It's just been an absolutely excellent job that Davy Moyes is doing at the at the London Club at the moment. Yeah, it just goes to show what a manager can do when you give him a, a wee bit of time. Um, I didn't actually think West Ham were great. I fancied them to get three points this weekend, but I didn't actually think they were. They were great, um, kind of when they had the man advantage. They, they started mm. pretty well, played well in the first half. It was actually one of the few Premier League games that I've watched 90 minutes of this season. And um, yeah, they, they, they played well in the first half. But then the, the red card for Konza uh, happened well just at the start of the second half, I think, wasn't it? And yeah. they, they weren't great after that, to be honest. They looked a wee bit nervy. And when Fornals scored the, the first, well, two quick goals, I suppose, wasn't it? Fornals and Bowen kind of flattered them I thought 4-1's a, a flattering scoreline for them but they were the better team they deserved to win but they, they weren't great in that second half but yes fantastic uh, job Davy Moyes is doing and uh, fourth I think they are in the league just now yep. Fantasy Football just put a tweet out and uh, about their next kind of five fixtures and they've got some tough ones in there that's for sure they've got Liverpool Wolves away City away Brighton and Chelsea so some tough games um, coming up for them so this will really be a test of kind of where this uh, where the squad's at, coupled with the fact that they're still in Europe as well. Yeah, of course. It's just such a fun team. It's a likable West Ham team, which I never it's thought I'd ever say. We can talk about Moyes, but the main difference on West Ham has been how their shooting's changed. I don't, I'm actually not sure that this actually follows in terms of what they actually did, but I kind of the thought of West Ham was they would try and chase old top six has been somebody like Chicharito who joined them, or just. Pablo Zabaleta, Patrice yeah. Evra. Yeah, yeah, so it was true. So play, players, I guess, were past their best in these teams. And when they got to West Ham, West Ham, oh my God, these guys aren't good anymore. It's like, of course they're not very good. That's why they're not at these the big clubs. <laughs> and they've abs- obviously, they've changed that situation. I think you look at that front four right now, and I would put it against most of the teams in the country in, in Europe at this point. They're probably the best team in the Europa League. They have such a different variety, and you've got Bone, who's like the kind of the he's the pacey one, the more yeah. direct player. You've got Fornals, who's the tricky one, and you've even got Jamie. Jamie likes Fornals these days, I think. Yeah, that's he. That just he hated probably Fornals. That was more. A, you, that was more a fantasy, just <laughs> begrudgingly hating him. I think. And then you got Ben. You got Ben Rama, and like who's kind of like the hybrid of the two, and then Antonio up top was just an absolute monster. Tank. Who's got a bit of technique about him as well? It's such mm. a fun place. But I said that just to talk. I need to talk about Declan Rice. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you said Declan I need, Rice yesterday. I, I have fallen in love with Declan Rice this season. <laughs> I think I honestly think at this point that he, people laugh when he, that he'll cost 100 million for a team. I think a team can pay that and not feel ripped off about Declan Rice at this point. Mm. And I think it's important to note that he's £100 million because he's what he first to West Ham rather than yeah, his talent as a yeah. player. He's West Ham captain, he's 22 years old, he improves at such a rapid rate. He's improved, like I think the difference between him pre-Euros and now is massive. And he's just such an important part of that team. And I think a team like Chelsea, I think a particularly Man United, that's the glaring one where that feels like a perfect fit with could spend a hundred million. That's them sorted for the next ten years yeah. as a holding midfielder. I think he's world class at this point. The basmati Billy Bond. <laughs> he, he he can't pass it sideways, so he'll just pass it sideways into the net for <laughs> thirty yards. West Ham clips. What an absolute enigma on Twitter. Uh, speaking of enigmas, Tottenham Hotspur are at it again. Uh, Nuno's gone as of today. Uh, there was talk yesterday. I think Matt Law broke it that Spurs were having serious talks with Nuno about his future at the North London club and that future 
was very short-lived. He lasted just overnight and then he's away today with frontrunner Antonio Conte apparently on his way to London as of, as of recording to work out a deal to become boss of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Logan, I'm going to I'm going to come to you on this. I mean, I have no idea your depth of Premier League knowledge of or what your interest level is, but I mean, it didn't seem like it seems years ago at this point that Nuno was winning the manager of the month for August for Spurs, and now he's out the door in what's one of the kind of first seconds of the season in the Premier League. So, it just goes to show how very quickly time can change at the top level in the Premier League. I think Tottenham have always been harsh with their managerial uh, seconds, uh, especially with Daniel Levy uh, at the helm. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when they won the player or the manager of the month, and I was thinking, right, Spurs could have a decent season here, uh, if, especially keeping Harry Kane in the summer as well. Mm. But um, I mean, it just went downhill. I mean, the game against Man United, Ronaldo's goal was superb. Um, I think. Oh, what's as good as Tavernier's? Almost as good as Tavs. <laughs> I think that uh, Ollie needed that win on the Saturday. Absolutely, he did. Uh, well, obviously, I think if he lost, he would have going to get the sack, the same as Nuno. But uh, I think that a lot of people in Scotland will be like that. Ian Carroll's now available as uh, for a managerial job. Um, not done fair one though. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is a bit harsh. But Tottenham have always been harsh with a with a managerial seconds, especially with Pochettino. Aye, no, that was that was a, that was a very strange one when Pochettino left. But I mean, Graham, you look at the, you look at the kind of Spurs setup at the moment. Like Harry Kane just looks disinterested. There's a number of players that are just nowhere near good enough for the club that Spurs claim themselves to be. And any manager that's coming in, they're going to have a bit of a bit of a battle on their hands to actually get funds to build the team they want. And that's why I think that Conte is not going to get on well in North London at all. Because what I've seen from Conte, he needs to have full backing to be a success. I mean, when he first came into Chelsea, he spent money and won a title. When he came into Inter, he spent money and won a title. He knew he wasn't going to get that second season because they owed a lot of money. So he's no longer there, and that's why he left in the first place. Yeah, but like Spurs did spend in the summer, and I think there's a good squad there. I think part of the disinterest in some of the players is that they hired their sixth-choice manager that, that that Crystal Palace rejected. I mean, Nuno was never the option, the solution for them. And Fair, I know it still feels quite early in the season, but fair play to Danny Levy for like just do it, like getting that done, as opposed to Man United, who, mm. who, who, who have just spent like the last year saying should we keep all or should we not? Levy was just like, no, this guy, I got it wrong. This guy's not our guy, and he got rid of him. And it looks like Conte's coming in, and when you say that he needs the back, and they've had back, and they signed Romero for almost fifty million, they signed Brian Hill, they've had, like, they've got Regulon and Emerson Royale. These are all fairly new players that only come in the last two years. You all get backing. And you say, like, Kane's been disinterested, and people see it, it's solely down to their move. There's no, they all had no attacking plan for Spurs. No. They, they had no, it was kind of just, we'll get up there and see what happens, we'll just do something. Colin Taylor come in with a plan and attack, and I think that's got a good chance of revitalising Kane. I don't think it's solely down to the fact that his head's gone, and it's in City, it's at Manchester City. I think a good manager, particularly Conte, who is somebody that I think can inspire players to to improve and get back to the, get in their best form, uh, I think that could see a big change in Spurs. I think it'd be I actually think it'd be an excellent appointment, at least definitely in the short term. Yeah, I think that is important. That I think you said the short term because what we saw with Conte during his time at Chelsea, especially as soon as things started going wrong for him in that second season, he was very very rigid in what he did and he was very stubborn in keeping his tactics exactly the way they were and didn't really take any. Uh, tactical impetus and changing anything he was very much of the mind that this is what I've set up, this is what we're going to stick with and if it doesn't work then it's not my fault it's down to the players. So I think if things do start going wrong with Spurs we could see Conte pass the blame almost by not changing anything which could be a bit detrimental especially when a club like Spurs at the moment are suffering from a lack of form, a lack of positivity so there might be a bit of a bounce when he first does come in but if there's a deep kind of drop in results, which I'm not entirely convinced there will be under Conte. I mean, I think he is a very good manager, as, as you said. I mean, he's a successful manager. He does have that winning mentality. So there could be a good uh, spell for Spurs. But... I mean, he's far better than both Nuno and Mourinho, who are both... Yes, no, agreed. I mean, yeah. Mourinho was, is long past it. I've said it for a long time, and Nuno is diet Mourinho. At least Conte, you're getting in somebody with different ideas and somebody that is currently one of the best managers in the world still. That can only be a good thing for Spurs. 
yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I suppose it's just kind of where, where we see Nuno going at this point. I mean, does he stay in England? Done firm, for a job done, done firm one, mate. Does insepid football with no attacking plan? I could see it, to be honest. I could, I could see that. Harry <laughs> uh, Kane to Nikolai Todorov. Basically the same player, mate, to mm-hmm. be honest. Just a big hoodie up front that can find the back of the net every now and then. <laughs> Aye, but interesting to see where Nuno does end up. Uh, I suppose to round out today's show, we can take a look at the European action midweek because we've got all three European competitions uh, coming along as well as uh, some midweek games for Scottish Premiership. There's SWPL matches on the Wednesday. Hibs are playing away to Hamilton. I know that one for a fact. Uh, Aberdeen have got Glasgow City. There's a few decent matches to watch out for in the women's game. Uh, of course, the draw for the SWPL Cup semi-final was today at 3pm. Uh, Hibernian of Celtic and Glasgow City play Spartans which could be a very interesting final depending on who it gets through from either of those ties uh, but on the Champions League there's a good few highlights Graham, I know your Liverpool are in action against Atletico Madrid at uh, Anfield, how are you feeling going into that one? I mean it was a pretty successful title, well, I think it was the last time that uh, Atletico played at Anfield it was that comeback victory well, am I right in saying that or was there another yes it was after? the last 16 games mm. that just just like right before Covid that's the last time we played in Anfield but oh, yeah. there's there clearly a bit of bite between the two teams which is kind of it comes with as part of the package with Atletico in the return leg and it should be a good game provided Liverpool play a full strength team because they're probably through and probably will top the group no matter how this game goes mm-hmm. uh, but it's probably I'd say it's a standout fixture in the Champions League this weekend this week, it's not weekend, it's midweek. Midweek. I see I see that as your standard game, and I raise you Sheriff versus Inter. Because Sheriff are still sitting oh, top you can't, of... You can't, you can't do that to me, can't. That's my boy, Sheriff. Man. Well, you've just thrown them on the bus. They're still sitting top after three games, Graham. They basically come from, like, like cyberpunk world, run by, corpor- <laughs> run by a corporation. Uh, but, <laughs> like... I like that. It's just a cool story. A team from a country that doesn't exist that are competing in the Champions League. So <laughs> I won't complain if that's what you want. If that's what you want to say is like the standard fixture. The sheriff are cool. Sheriff, the, the homeless giants of European football. That's mm-hmm. that's what the, that there's an there's an athletic article title for the, for you in there if you if you want one. Uh, Logan, we've also got uh, Manchester United playing away to Atalanta, and I mean I wonder if Gasparini's boys would see them go top of their group and. Considering how things went last time for Oli against Atalanta, you'd imagine he's probably going to want some uh, compensation in this one. Yeah, I think going two 0 down to Atalanta at home wasn't good enough. Um, it'll be a much much more difficult tie in Italy. Um, Oli needs to win to keep keep the pressure off him again. Um, I think that I think that Man United will win the game actually um, to go even further at the top of the top of the table but it, it will certainly not be easy um, I think if they play the, well, play a similar team to what they played against Spurs they should be fine I'd uh, like to think you'd, you'd, you'd think so anyway but I mean I really like Atalanta I think it shouldn't go understated that these, these guys do not spend a lot of money they play excellent football they've got a lot of exciting players and they have consistently blown away some of the kind of biggest teams in Europe over the last couple of years or so so they absolutely deserve to be where they are and they should not be taken lightly in any way, shape or form. So excited to see how that one does pan out. Jamie, do you care much about the Champions League? There's no Scottish teams in it, so I can't imagine there's much much of an interest from yourself. Not really, to be honest. I'm looking forward to the Europa League. I, uh, Go on, I give, us, give us Europa League then. Who? What, what, do... what are this week's fixtures? Um, I don't know. Why are this week's fixtures? You only care about Scotland. Rangers go to Bromby and what will be a... Pretty fun atmosphere, I imagine. Bromby are kind of mental. Uh, yeah, they're and... fucking nuts, eh? <laughs> and, uh, Rangers got, have Rangers got tickets, sorry. Have Rangers fans got tickets for that I am not sure, to be honest with you. I'm not sure how that... I know somebody well. that's going to Sweden. but uh... It's in Denmark. Not Denmark. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. They've got the wrong place. Always a good oh. holiday in Sweden. <laughs> uh, if he in Sweden, then he's done something wrong. Um, aye, he's going to Denmark. Uh, but I don't know if he's got tickets or not. Yeah, uh, so, so that's how to go to Hungary to play Ferencváros, and it won't be a half free kick off on a Tuesday this time. Thank God. Because COP26 is not happening in Budapest. That's happening in Glasgow for some godforsaken reason. 
I think you're unfair, Jamie. Like Jamie's clear interest these days are is it is the Pakistani league. So yeah, thinking, to be fair, Jamie, what happened to the Pakistani league this week? Well, we had two games today, Graham. The, the 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 Pakistani Air Force, um, they racked up a five 0 win away to Hama today, so they're that's a humming result. That's all oh, literally I was about to say. Well, it was it was top versus bottom, so they did uh, what was expected expect. of them. So they're top of the league, and the Navy have made it back to back one one draws. They got a ninety fifth minute equaliser today to lift themselves out of the relegation oh, wow. places. So uh. all go in the Pakistan Premier League this morning. <laughs> the early hours of this morning I'm trying to think any other but Leverkusen Betis the other big one in that group that could be a quite entertaining oh, game you're supposed, to, you're supposed to wrap it up on the Pakistani league you can't top the Pakistani league yeah, you know what bugger it yeah you're right enough like, well, once you go Pakistani league you can't go wrong and that is the sentiment you should all follow as we round out this episode of the Football Roundup thank you very much for listening make sure to subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcast to make sure new episodes show up automatically for you whenever they come out uh, check us out on Twitter at ENRG Sport the same can be said on Instagram and check out our award winning website ENRGSport.net for all sorts of content we've got coming out uh, of Edinburgh Napier University uh, thank you very much to Graham, Logan and Jamie for joining me this afternoon Energy Extra Time is going to be back on Thursday to talk about the Scotland squad coming out tomorrow. We've got a midweek European action, of course, as we said, probably a deeper preview of Bronby and Finn Varos games and a look ahead to the weekend ahead and all incorporated with your usual nonsense you get on that podcast as you do anything else with Energy Sport. Uh, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>